This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. So good evening to those of you in France and good morning or good afternoon to those of you in different time zones. Welcome to HEJ.tax. Uh, we do these live streams every week, every week, a different tax related topic of interest. So this week will be France US taxes. Right, thank you. So please keep your, yes, please stay on mute. Please stay on mute. We will have Q&A at the end. So the way we normally do it is that Hervé, our honored guest, France, a French tax expert, will run through some slides, give you a basic overview, and would actually answer some of the questions that some of you posed. But we'll get to the Q&A afterwards. And once he's finished with his presentation, then we'll get into the questions and answers part of our uh, of our session. So we've received about 15 questions. Thank you for those that send it in. For those who have not yet done it, feel free to type in the box below. If you are on Zoom, if you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, you can type in the box below as well. And I'll hop across uh, every once in a while and check it out. This is being recorded. So again, if you don't want your image to show all you need to do is keep your camera switched off. Otherwise, you'll be recorded as well. So without further ado, oh, well, of course, we always have to give the usual disclaimer because we are both licensed by our relevant jurisdiction. So we are legally obligated to tell you that nothing we say here should be construed as advice. We're having a general conversation around general principles. If you want some, if you want intelligence that is specific to your unique circumstances, you would need to engage a team who will then know your situation inside out. So you can treat this as educational, or you can even treat it as entertainment, but it is not meant to be advice. And that is really important. And uh, I hope you keep that in mind. So now without further ado, I turn you over to Hervé. Hervé, all yours. Yes, I'm here. Hello, uh, so I am Hervé Belaver, I'm a chartered accountant in France. I will share my screen. Uh, yes, here it is. You should see a magnificent PowerPoint. Yes, do you, do you see clearly? Okay. So I try to entertain you with taxes, with French taxes, the ones uh, that you may be exposed to if you have some activity in France. Uh, first, uh, a bit of uh, statistics. Uh, starting a business in France is usually seen as difficult. We, are, we have the impression that uh, foreigners see us as complicated people. Uh, so there is a World Bank study every year, which is a doingbusiness.org, uh, and uh, there's a rank for France for starting a business is 37, so not in the top top, but not uh, so bad, and we have a global note of 93.1 uh, to start a business, so it is not maybe not so difficult. Uh, and you usually uh, to, to start a business, you need what we call a CIRET number, which is uh, the number for, to identify uh, any company, any business in France. And it's usually one week to get it. So it can be quite quick. Uh, and the main questions you'll have to, to answer to, to set it properly is uh, what is the legal status of my business? Do I want to set up a company? Do I want to work as an independent? You have to, to, to choose at the beginning on what is the type of tax which will be used to, to tax the revenues every year. It is personal income tax or corporate tax. Is my activity professional, not professional? 
This will drive uh, the taxation to social contributions and uh, which is linked to, to the social status. I am self-employed. I am employed by my company. There are uh, quite, uh, there are some important choices to make and they are, uh, they drive the, the structure of the company. They are, they are really important for the future. Uh, so there are two main uh, taxes to, to tax the revenues. You have first uh, impôt sur les sociétés, the company income tax, or you have, uh, we'll speak of it later, the personal income tax. Uh, for the company income tax, the taxpayer will be the company. Uh, it is based on the net result determined by accounting books. This means you absolutely need some accounting books and uh, the, what is uh, taxed is the net result. Uh, the general rule for taxes in France is that you are taxed on your revenue less all the expenses needed to get the revenue or to give or to keep it. So, uh, and the state, uh, sometimes some clients tell me, but can I do this or can I do that? It is not written. It is your responsibility to determine whether it is needed to, to run the activity, to get the revenue or, or keep it. And uh, in case the taxpayers, uh, in, tax, in, in case the tax office tells you this shouldn't be in your accounts, you tell them you have to, to prove it at its place. Uh, so this tax can be diminished with some tax credits. The main ones, the most uh, expensive one for the states are uh, the tax credits used for uh, researchers. So Crédit Impôt Recherche, Jeune Entreprise Innovante, which are, which are two types of uh, tax credits to, to help the, the really innovating companies to, uh, to develop, to get developed. The rates for uh, the small uh, and medium companies are 50% uh, of the net result till uh, yearly result of uh, 38,120. And it is 26.5 above for 2020. Uh, it should be 25 in 2022. That was uh, an objective a few years ago. And I don't have any news uh, to change. So you can, you should be able to consider that it will be 25% uh, next year. Uh, when the company operates, then it is taxed on the company income tax. What is left, it is at uh, the disposal of uh, the shareholders. When you pay dividends to the shareholders, shareholders in their private income tax will have to suffer uh, a 30% taxation on these dividends. Uh, the second main type is the usual type of uh, tax, which is due by any person living in France, is uh, the personal income tax. So, uh, uh, as I was telling you, it is usually seen as complicated. Uh, in fact, it was established in 1917. So it, had, it has proved its efficiency for the, for the tax office to collect taxes and uh, it's quite efficient. Uh, so it is paid by physical persons only. If, uh, if you have a company, you don't pay this tax. But uh, if you have a company which is not taxed at the company income tax, then the revenue of the company is directly uh, distributed among the shareholders and then it is taxed at the level of the shareholders. Uh, so this tax, uh, this income tax, uh, uh, if you have some activities in France, you, uh, you may wonder whether you have to pay these taxes or not. So this tax is uh, in fact subject to, the, to uh, international treaties. So there is one within a country. So there is one within the United States that says, which revenues are to be taxed where. 
The objective is that no revenue is double taxed in both countries. And uh, the usual rule between countries for non-residents, they don't have to pay this uh, personal income tax except on their real estate revenues for the real estate which is situated in France. That's the, that's the global world, there can be some little exceptions. Uh, so there is no, for the personal income tax, there is no consideration of nationality. You are a taxpayer if you live in France more than six months in the year, uh, uh, be you uh, American or French. So it is paid by about 40% of the population uh, because uh, the, the rate of this uh, tax begins at 0% and depending on, the, on, the, on your revenues, it goes from 0 to 45%. And there is a temporary contribution for high revenues. Uh, it's a 3 or 4%. It's something like uh, when you get more than 500,000 euros a year. <clears throat> what is important compared to the countries is that uh, the personal income tax is uh, calculated for the household. Basically, the household is two adults maximum and they have a legal link. So they are married or they have a PAX and uh, the children are in the household. So if they have some revenues, for example, if they, if they work, even though they are less than 18, uh, the revenue is uh, added to the revenues of the parents. Uh, so every, ch every child till 18 is considered to be in the household because 18 and 25 years old, the children can be in the household with their parents or pay separately their income tax. There is no obligation of people having the same address. So, uh, for example, you can have uh, the husband in one country, the, the wife uh, in the other, uh, etc. It can be one household. And so all revenues are, uh, all, all revenues in the household are uh, counted uh, together to determine the taxable revenue. I have made a, a small chart here with a red line and a blue line. It shows the effect in fact of uh, household because for the same revenue, the, the red line is the tax you pay if you have the revenue for only one person, one adult. And uh, if you have uh, two adults, and uh, two children for the same revenue. On the blue line, you have the tax to pay. So there is a, uh, there is a real effect, a real progressive effect of, uh, of uh, this taxation uh, on the household. Remember, it was set up in the year 1917, when usually in a family, you had one father, one mother, some children, but the mother was not working. Uh, so, as I told you, for the company income tax, the taxable revenue, the gross revenue, is less the expenses to get it or keep it. So, um, uh, in fact, uh, it is organized so that as many possible information comes from another source than the taxpayer. So for wages and pensions, in fact, it is the employer, the social body that will send the relevant information to the tax office. Uh, if you have investment income, capital gains, it will be globally your bank, which sends uh, the information to the tax office. And uh, when you have income from the property, you need some uh, accounting, which is quite simplified. And in this case, as you provide yourself the information, the, and if you have low revenues from properties, you can use uh, the, the micro foncier uh, schedule, uh, which is in fact, you just declare your, uh, your revenues, your gross revenues, and there is a percentage 
to, uh, to represent all the expenses. So, so the, for the business profit, the non-commercial profits, that's for example, for uh, doctors uh, or consultants and agricultural profits, the rule is to use, is to get accounting books and then to determine the null result. If you have small businesses, there are some simplified ways to, de to determine the revenues, which are micro-entrepreneur, micro-LMNP. So LMNP, it is people who rent a real estate with furniture and who are non-professionals. Uh, so um, yeah, micro-BAs for agricultural, micro-entrepreneur can be also for... Uh, for uh, non-commercial profits, for example, for consultants who have a low revenue. <clears throat> so in all this simplification, as I told you, in fact, the rule is you, de you declare your turnover and depending on that, the, your expenses are cal automatically calculated with a percentage. The problem is, uh, I think, yeah, I tell you, that's why I tell you this last phrase, uh, it is a way to simplify the tax return. It is not a way to optimize your tax. Because here, if you have low revenues, as soon as you get one euro of revenues, you pay, uh, you pay some taxes. If you use accounting books, maybe you have uh, quite a bigger uh, gross revenue, but you can report all your expenses to get it, and maybe you have a deficit and pay no tax. So depending on your situation, the most simple is not always the best. To get some rebate on this uh, personal tax, in, uh, tax income, so there are some tax credits. The main one is uh, if you employ someone at home, you have a tax credit of 50% of what you paid uh, to the people plus the social contributions. Uh, so you, to do that, you, you must employ directly uh, your employee who, or you must use a licensed companies. And there are uh, about 50 services available for housekeeping, gardening, uh, and for uh, chartered accountants. We can use this, uh, this schedule to to assist you to file your tax return. It is only available for people who live inside France. It is not available for non-residents. Uh, just a point of uh, revenues uh, coming from US. So uh, the world will be so real estate so the, the revenues from real estate are taxed in the, in the country where the real estate is. In fact, if you have an apartment in France and you rent it in France, you have to pay some taxes in France. And uh, they, as a non if you are non-residents, the minimum taxation will be 20%. Uh, for other revenues, in fact, you have to declare the revenues uh, as, that's most for, uh, for residents in France. If you are a resident in France, but have some revenues in the US, then uh, the revenue is to be declared in France and you'll get a tax credit to avoid a double taxation. That's, uh, that's the main rule. And of course, it is completely useless to say, oh, on this revenue, I have paid the, the taxes in the US, even though I shouldn't. Uh, in fact, this will be not relevant if you are controlled by the French tax office. The, the US tax office will send no money to the French tax office, okay? The, it is not yet you choose the country where you pay your taxes. They are to be paid in France or you are, they are to be paid in the US for a certain type of revenues.
Um, above this personal income tax, we have uh, 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 another tax, which is called CSG, which is Contribution Sociale Generalisée. In fact, it is a social contributions, but uh, it was considered in the, the end of the 80s that uh, uh, people who have only uh, revenues from the capital, uh, they don't pay any uh, social contributions, but the benefit if they are sick, the benefit from the hospital. So, and all the social security system. So they had to, to, to help finance it. And so uh, this tax was established to finance the social security system on the activity revenues, let's say wages or uh, business revenues, the rate is 9.70%. And on patrimonial revenues, the rate is 17.20. And as it is quite complicated, you get a refund on next year's revenues of 6.8%. Uh, this tax is not very well known because first it is complicated and everything is made so that you don't see it. Uh, for in the salaries, people don't see it because it is in their pay bill and uh, they only look at what they get uh, net after taxes. And uh, in the dividends, for example, at the beginning, it told you of, uh, of a tax rate of 30%. And inside this tax rate of 30%, there is a CSG of 17.20%. So in fact, the, the tax rate for personal income tax is only of 12.8%. And uh, if you have to pay this, you'll get an extra tax notice. Yeah. Uh, if you are, uh, we have also a wealth tax, which is based now only on the real estate you own in France. This tax, as it is called uh, IFI, Impôt sur la Fortune Immobilière, it is based on the market value of the real estate. So the value, the basis, the value for yeah, the basis for the value changes every year. It is a value on uh, January the first, and uh, you must include the real estate and the shares you could have in some companies where the real estate is bigger than fifty percent of the assets. So usually the, the property companies. And uh, so it is applicable if the, your global real estate in France is, uh, is bigger than 1.3 million euros. There are different rules for residents and non-residents. If you are a resident in France, even though you are an American or not, you have to consider all your real estate worldwide be it in France, in the US or in other countries and uh, submit it to the taxation. If you are non-residents, but have some real estate in France, you have only to declare your real estate in France. So you need uh, to have uh, real estate in France for more than 1.3 uh, million euros. The rate is uh, 0.5 to 1.5%. But as I told you, it is based on the real, on the value of the real estate. So uh, it is at least paying uh, yeah, something like 20,000 euros if you have to pay it. It's quite, uh... oh, sorry. And yes, I think you have a federal wealth tax paid, uh, federal wealth tax in the USA. So if you, as a, the rule is always uh, avoiding the double taxation, if you have to pay this well tax in the USA for some real estate in the USA, then you get a tax credit to avoid the double taxation. Uh, if you are in France, you have a business and uh, you want to have some American people coming to your business, uh, there is a scheme which is quite interesting. It is an impatriate scheme. Uh, so in the case you recruit a manager abroad to work in France, he mustn't have lived, uh, he mustn't have stayed in France for the five past years. 
but in the contract, in the employment contract, you would you would write the normal salary for uh, for the job done plus an impatriation premium, and then uh, on uh, the personal income tax of uh, of uh, the manager you have recruited, this premium wouldn't be taxed for eight years. Okay. And uh, if uh, and if the the manager you recruit is subject could be subject to uh, related to the the IFI the, the wealth uh, the wealth tax on real estate then the rules for non-residents apply so only the real estate in France would apply so it is quite an incentive to to have. Uh, to have managers uh, with high revenues coming to France. And of course, this is available to any company in France. That's uh, not, not to be too long. That was the main things I wanted to, to tell you. I hope I have entertained you with taxes. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Thank you very much for that comprehensive overview. And thank you for those that have submitted questions. We now have over 20 questions. So we will try our best to get through as many of them as possible, given the, other, the, the time constraints. For those who just joined us on Facebook and YouTube, thank you for joining us. You can type your questions below and I'll get to them if, if we have time, unfortunately. So the first question that we were given, okay, how is crypto, treated from a tax perspective. What I'll do, uh, Erve, I'll comment from a US perspective, because I'm assuming that whoever it is is residing in France and they're also US exposed, right? So from a US perspective, the guidance that we have from the IRS uh, from, uh, uh, I think it'll be notice 2014-21 and notice 2014-16. And then in 2019, we got revenue ruling 2019-24. So it's essentially, your crypto is treated like any other asset in, in a way it'll be subject to capital gains assuming that you're an investor i'm assuming you're an investor whoever asked that question if you are a trader that's a whole other conversation but let's assume that you're an investor just to keep it simple you you it'll be subject to taxes uh, uh capital gains taxes whether short or long term depending on how long you held it for and in terms of transactions that would be considered a taxable event, we're looking at, obviously, if you're trading crypto to fiat, right? So that, that's kind of obvious. But also when you're trading one crypto for another, so crypto to crypto, as well as spend, spending crypto to purchase goods or services or earning crypto as income. So that's for miners out there that that that'll be subject to that. That's considered a taxable event as well. And, and you know, I can throw in there those that, uh, some of you I know lend crypto and you get interest uh, for, for lending on crypto. So that'll be taxable as well. So if it's interest, uh, that, that'll be taxable as interest normally is on your Schedule B. So it's either ordinary, to summarize, it's either ordinary income or capital gains, and depending on the nature of the transaction. That's from a US perspective. Hervé, what about France? Uh, first, uh, we have the same distinction between. Uh traders and uh, and those who could buy some crypto uh, just for a personal perspective and not uh, doing so many movements, they could be considered as professionals. Uh, it is, uh, it will be taxed. In fact, uh, the crypto is considered like any good. So it is taxed when, uh, when you sell it to tax the capital gain. And for all the financial matters, it is like the dividends. So uh, the capital gain you make with a crypto is taxed at, the, at a level of 30%. Um, the, it is, can be quite tricky because in fact, what is considered is when you convert uh, crypto to euros or to any other currency. So if you sell a crypto to, to make a change, if you change it, if you go, for example, with some Bitcoins, you buy some Ethereum or things like that, then it is not taxable 
because uh, but when you change your Ethereum to euros, then you the capital gain should be calculated. Okay, and uh, so it can be after years, uh, etc. I'm not sure the, the the control of the tax office is very uh, very effective on this. I don't know at all. I have I have not had any example. I think there was another question, which was uh, how can I. Uh, manage my crypto is there a tool to manage it to to declare the relevant uh, taxes tax to be paid and uh, honestly i've never practiced it but i was said that there is, there is one which is called the uh, waltio w-a-a-l-t-i-o i just uh, write it in the i put it in the written part and that's uh, one that I would said to to manage uh, to manage the uh, capital gains on crypto I think it is linked uh, with uh, several platforms uh, to, to to buy and sell uh, cryptos but honestly I have never used it and uh, I can't get I, I can't give a, a real uh, advice about it Thanks for that, Hervé. Uh, and, and just to kind of follow up on, on what, what he just said, uh, it's there are a number of commercially available tools as well as services for attracting your transactions because uh, on whether you're looking at it from a US perspective or a France perspective, it's important to, to track the transaction. So when you sell a coin, uh, when did you purchase it? You need to really have robust bookkeeping so you can uh, figure out exactly when was that purchased and how much was it purchased for and what was the holding period. So that, that so however you decide to, to keep track of that, doing so is super important. We, we have clients that use uh, commercially available third parties uh, services. Uh, people use spreadsheets, you know, however you do it, you just need to stay on top of that. Uh, just following on the questions, Question two and three, I'll roll that up into one question just to try and be more efficient. So someone is asking in terms of a, a tax planning, in terms of tax strategy, is there anything that they can do to, I guess, mitigate or manage the, the gains on, on crypto? Um, I'll comment from a US perspective, obviously. Uh, I think one of the more popular tools, especially this time of the year, I guess in terms of a planning tool would be loss harvesting. So if it is, you know, you have a portfolio, uh, you have gains in one space and you have losses in another space. So this is, uh, the, it, you know, the losses may not be uh, realized losses. So they're book losses and you have some gains from some of the elements of your portfolio, you may choose to uh, sell the, some of the coins or the assets that are already experiencing a loss. And so you can book that loss because under the US tax rules, you can offset capital losses against capital gains. So then you get that offset and then you can buy it back, especially with the end of the year anyway. And, and, you, and you, can, you can buy it back. So I know there are wash rules that apply to stock transactions. So that technically won't be allowed, but at this point in time, there's none that applies to crypto. So you can, uh, you can do some loss harvesting with, with your crypto. In terms of any longer term uh, gains that, that you, you may be experiencing, and especially for those that are really experiencing high upside, which many of you are, there are, I mean, I think one of the more popular tools that are being discussed right now in the U.S. specifically will be opportunity zones. So it is a very involved and technical subject area. So you may want to talk to either ourselves, our team, or your chosen tax professional. But it does allow you to defer, kind of like a 1031 exchange with real estate. It may allow you to defer uh recognizing and therefore being taxed from a u.s perspective on gains uh and it may it may defer it or it may eliminate it depending on how it's structured 
So, so that's it from a, a U.S. perspective. Any planning tools or strategies, Hervé, from a, a French perspective? I would say that the strategy is um, is is uh, to distribute the revenues of the, the year. You have an interest at having quite a linear revenue. For example, if you get, uh, well, if you get uh, a deficit, for example, one year, it won't, as it is taxed now separately with a 30% rate, you don't have, it will not diminish your uh, taxation on other revenues. Uh, and uh, with a deficit, you have uh, quite a risk. Uh, yes, you will lose it. So uh, you have, yes, to, to streamline, I would say your uh, your revenues and uh, um, yes to to yes to 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 be able to to cover the deficits of the year to come. So I would uh, uh, I would identify uh, some uh, some capital gains. Uh, maybe transfer them to, uh, I think there are some cryptos that are based on uh, real currencies. Uh, I think that's uh, oh, substable sub, sub uh, name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe you could uh, transfer them and then use this kind of cryptos uh, when you have to compensate with some deficits to, to make always uh, quite, uh, quite a benefit. That's how I would do it. But anyway, cryptos are risky products. Anyway. Mm -hmm. So. Uh... All right. Moving on. Okay. I'm going to, again, I'll just in the interest of time and efficiency, I'll combine question four and five into one question. So one of you approached, well, approached me and asked about setting up, setting up companies offshore. Well, i.e., I guess by definition, outside of the US and outside of France, uh, as well as setting up bank accounts offshore with the view that that will save you on taxes and you're going to be continuing to run the present business that you have. So we, we declined to work with you on that. And I, I thought it would be only fair to explain why. There's a, I guess, because of movies and stuff like that, there's this perception that merely establishing a company in another jurisdiction and not receiving money into the jurisdiction in which you reside will automatically save you money because somehow magically this is not reportable to either France or the US and that could not be further from the truth. When you are a tax resident in France, ordinarily tax resident, you're subject to taxes on your worldwide income. As a US person, you're also subject to taxes on your worldwide income, regardless of where you reside. So therefore, just merely setting up a company doesn't, I know, I know there are lots of movies and stuff, but that, that is not exactly how that works. Uh, it, it is essentially illegal, a tax evasion, if, if you were to do that. So we, we, we really don't do that. However, there are service providers that would help you with that. And that leads me to the second point within that. So the way they, I won't comment on the French tax authorities, but I can tell you how the Internal Revenue Service in the US works. And you've seen this in loads of movies, right? So if it is that they find a taxpayer that did something wrong, they did something illegal, they intentionally, they were willful uh, in what they were doing and they have been found guilty of tax evasion, right? So basically they got caught. The first thing the revenue is going to ask you is who helped you? Because to be honest, they're not probably interested in you and your five or six figure bank account. They want to know who's your enabler because they want to, they want to look after, they want to chase the big fish. So that's who they're going to ask. And they will offer to be lenient. You tell me who helped you do this, set up this company, set up this bank account. No problem. You can walk. And so then you are heavily incentivized to identify the tax professionals that helped you. 
And once they once the revenue identifies those tax professionals, the revenue will then systematically audit all of their clients to look for a pattern of wrongdoing. So I say this to make a point. If you find someone who's willing to cut corners for you, they're probably willing to cut corners for other people as well. And once they get caught, all their clients will be subject to scrutiny. So that, that's, that's a risk with, that comes with that. So I hope that explains why it's dangerous for you to do it and why it's dangerous for tax professionals like us to do it. So I'm sorry that we couldn't work with you, but you know, yeah, that's the way it goes. All right, moving on. Uh, someone was asking about the, the blacklist. So obviously at the OECD level, uh, the, you know, they are, and at the EU level, there are countries on the blacklist, meaning that if you're doing business uh, from France, so you're based in France, you're a French tax resident, you have a company there or however you've structured it. And as part of your structure, your personal structure, your corporate structure, you use companies in certain jurisdictions France doesn't like it. So there's an EU list of countries they don't like, that the EU doesn't like. And France in particular, they have their own list of countries that they don't like. It was last updated in around January last year. And Panama, the, the, the previous list was done in 2016. So the new list was done at the top of 2020. And Panama is the only country that remains on the list. And of course, if you've been following the Pandora Papers and Paradise Papers and, you know, you'd know why Panama is just always on somebody's blacklist. But the other countries that you need to be aware of and you'd need to probably avoid using them in, their, in your structures once you're French tax resident would be Anguilla, the Bahamas, the BVI or the British Virgin Islands, which is a really popular option, Seychelles, Vanuatu, Fiji, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Oman, U.S. Samoa, Samoa, Trinidad and Tobago, and I already mentioned Panama. So uh, I actually have a citizenship to one of those jurisdictions. So um, I always keep an eye on which blacklist that it ends up on. So yeah, uh, please bear that in mind. And in terms of the follow-up question, well, what will be the tax consequences of using a uh, one of those, a company incorporated in one of those jurisdictions in your structure? Well, uh, in terms of French source interest and dividends paid on a bank account located in one of those jurisdictions, it'll be subject to 75% withholding tax in France, regardless of the beneficiary's tax residence. Royalties and other service fees paid by a French debtor to beneficiary domicile established in one of those jurisdictions, again, 75% withholding. Uh, the capital gains on the disposal of securities of companies established in one of those jurisdictions excluded from uh, the participation exemption regime. So basically, just to, to summarize, it will be subject to scrutiny. It will be heavily taxed. And whatever treaty benefits or whatever you may, someone may have told you or you may have hoped to get, you won't get any exemptions. You won't get any benefits. You won't get any breaks. So you are penalized essentially for using those jurisdictions. I hope that helps avoid them. Next question on the list. I am, uh, this is a pretty simple question. I'm thinking of moving to France from the US. So this is one of those who are still in the US. So good afternoon to you. Uh, would I be double taxed? And Hervé, uh, if you were able to join from the beginning, you'd have seen his presentation. If not, this entire thing is being recorded and it will be available on YouTube, on Facebook, on podcast platforms like iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, I think Amazon, just like we have them on over 20 podcast platforms. So you can look at it again, but to cut to the chase, no, you should not be subject to double tax. Hervé did speak about the principle of foreign tax credits. Both countries recognize foreign tax credits. So you get credits for taxes paid in the other jurisdiction to offset any taxes due in one jurisdiction. In addition to which is a tax treaty that is, has been signed and executed between both jurisdictions, which can also be invoked 
should there be any matter that risks being double taxed. So I noticed at the beginning, I said, normally you would not be, but unfortunately, yes, one must be honest, there are circumstances when you could be double taxed. And that typically, the, 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 the one that we see most frequently would be state taxes. So of course, within the US, you have federal taxes and state taxes. We normally counsel our clients when they move abroad, they should take certain actions to sever domicile with, if they're in one of the states, one of the many domicile tax states, you must sever tax domicile with that state. And we recommend setting up domicile in one of the eight states where there is no income tax. So like a Florida, Nevada, Wyoming, Alaska, whatever the case may be, Texas is quite popular. So that, because under some circumstances, a domicile state like California, or especially Virginia, Virginia is perhaps the most aggressive of them all. Even though you no longer reside there and you do not reside there for years and you living in France for how many years, you can still be subject to state taxes under some circumstances. So, um, and the principle of tax credits, which Hervé went into and explained perfectly when he did his presentation, that applies to the federal level. So the federal level, i.e. the IRS, would give you tax credits or would recognize credits based on what has already been paid in France, but the states do not recognize tax credits. So you may be double taxed at the state level. So again, take advice as you plan to make your move to France. Uh, next question. Yes, moving from one country to another is quite, can be quite complex. So it is the time when you did someone for, uh, for assisting you, sure. Absolutely. Okay, uh, the next one is for you, Hervé. What is the best way of holding investment property, investment real estate in France? And I think you hinted at this in one of your slides, but uh, should I hold it in my own name or is there a tax benefit to holding it using a company, Hervé? Well, I could tell you first that the, one of the rules in France is equality. So it is not so much important that uh, you invest by yourself or you invest through a company uh for uh, the taxation may be maybe the same um there are uh, there is quite an interest if you rent some real estate with furniture completely equipped then i consider it is there is a, a quite special scheme which is is called lmnp and so i think it is preferable to uh, to own the real estate by yourself because this scheme is not available when you rent through a company. Uh, however, you, you don't set up a company or buy something on your name only for tax reasons. Uh, for example, I have some examples when 10 people have uh, bought together an apartment in Paris to be available when they come to Paris. With 10 people, you don't buy, even though you can be several to buy in your own names. But uh, the rule for making an indecision is unanimity. It is not very practical. In a company, well, you have some people who have different uh, uh, shares, who have different level of uh, capital, who have not invested the same, and they, they don't have the same power to vote. Uh, and there is a manager who can make the decision. So, um, uh, and for example, if you have a company, then you can give some shares to your children if you wish. And you can use, uh, you can divide the property to, give, to keep the user effect and give the, the share to your, to your children. It is not so easy when you own by yourself. So you have to, to see it as any investment, there is tax, but uh, not only tax and you have to decide what you'll do with your investment, what is it for and what uh, you want to do. And usually a real estate investment is long-term. So seeing the long-term and uh, the company maybe is a, is a nice choice. Mm -hmm. 
Wonderful. Uh, thanks for that. So, and, and just to summarize what you've just said, the, the motivation should and cannot really be taxed. There's no definitive tax benefit, but under certain circumstances, there are commercial and practical benefits to holding it in structure. And as always, it's good to take advice before making yeah. Yeah. When when you buy a car, you don't only look at the price of uh, gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You have to look at that big picture. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So this is a question that was actually asked three times. So I'll just so I'll just roll that up in into one. So basically, I'm just gonna cut to the chase. Someone is asking, and we get this question every time we do this, about the assurance V. How <laughs> is the assurance V treated? For U.S. tax purposes, and again, it really depends. It really depends on the nature of the investments because the assurance V is a wrapper, an investment product wrapper. So when you open it up, depends on what's inside. But ordinarily speaking, if it, it can be looked at as a financial asset, so in terms of a U.S. tax perspective, we're looking at potentially. Form 8938, which is the financial asset declaration form or your FATCA form. It may, depending on what's inside, it may be on your FBARs, your foreign bank account report, and it may be considered a PFIC or passive foreign investment company uh, where it will be subject to very specific tax rules. And, uh, and just to provide context for that, the, the PFIC or the passive foreign investment company structure or uh, it was in, it came in under President Reagan in 1980. So essentially it was a response to complaints from US domestic financial institutions that Americans were going abroad and investing in foreign financial products and getting tax advantages to doing so. And of course, uh, stealing or, or robbing US domestic financial institutions from opportunities as well. So Congress responded. And so the IRS created this these rules around what are called PFIX. So essentially any sort of investment link product outside of the US, take advice, chances are it may be a PFIC and subject to very specific US tax rules. So again, uh, you probably need to speak with an advisor and go through the statements and, but chances are it's a PFIC reportable on an 8621. So the income deferral that you would get from a, a France perspective. So income will grow tax-free often enough within that fund from a French perspective, from a US perspective, not necessarily so. It may be subject to the full weight of IRS taxation. So I hope that answers all three of you who asked that question, but don't worry, we get that every single time we do this. Uh, okay. The question, what I see often is that People, for mm -hmm. example, have put some money in a life insurance in the US. They are in mm -hmm. France, they get the money, and then they think they have, uh, uh, they have uh, some uh, special tax schemes not to pay tax, etc. in France. But in France, we don't recognize the American life insurance as a life insurance in France. Uh, mm -hmm. So the, all these rules are very specific to the countries. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, if you put some money, if your life insurance in France and uh, go to the U.S., I don't know how it will be taxed to the U.S., but these are, uh, yes, that's quite specific to any country. And uh, when you change country, life insurance, I think, is a bit difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Life, life insurance is defined differently in different jurisdictions mm -hmm. and treated from a tax perspective in different ways. So that's, that's a great point. Uh, so I'm going to skip the other two people who asked the same question. I hope you guys are satisfied with the answers provided. So next question. Now, Ervi, he partly, I think you partly answered this in, in your presentation, but there's a twist in this. And so let, let's, so my spouse and I are living in France since uh, May, 2021. My, okay. So my rental property that's set up in the U.S., exempt from the wealth taxes in France as it is held in a trust in my name. So if he didn't put the trust bit at the end, he, he or she, I don't know who, if, if that person didn't put the trust part at the end, I'd say, well, hey, you answered this 
perfectly well in your presentation over but now this person is saying well hold on it's held in a trust how is it treated from a french perspective well in france we don't know trust so if you have some real estate in a trust mm -hmm. in fact uh, we have improved and uh, so first you have to declare your trust in france uh and, and declare the real estate you have in it and if there is a, there is a real estate and some revenues, in fact, you have to declare who owns the trust. And uh, then you will have to, to declare the trust for, for your part of the trust. You'll have to declare in your, uh, in your uh, personal income tax or in your IFI. In fact, uh, and there are rules. In fact, France wants to know for all real estate that are in France, who are the physical persons who are the owners. So uh, there is an administrative way. In fact, if you want to declare who is the real person who owns a building in France, then you must pay a 3% tax. It is also, you can do it, but you have to pay a 3% tax on the market value of the building. So it's quite expensive. So uh, usually people declare even though you have a series of companies of trust, etc., uh, you can uh, you you must go to the physical persons who would own more than ten percent of a real estate property. Okay, so in so in this case, just to summarize, this person's resident in France since May this year, and they have real estate in the U.S. In a trust so from france's perspective the trust does not exist it's transparent so they see through the trust am i correct in saying yes that? but may even though the trust is in the us the real estate is in the us as soon as you have a contributor or beneficiary or an administrator who is resident in france then you must declare the trust to the french authorities and you mm. must declare every year the value of the trust etc so of course you you can go uh, there are many types of trust i think etc cetera, etc cetera. and so maybe the property of the trust should it be considered in the ifi etc but the the tax office knows you you have uh, some properties in the trust and they can tell you why uh, is there no value in your tax return mm. and then you you have to justify yourself understood perfect okay now moving because this person is asking like different parts within the question so is my rental property that i have in the u.s exempt from wealth taxes in france if they are set up as a business so i guess in this in this scenario he or she is asking well suppose it's not in a trust but if it's in like a company like an, a u.s llc uh, and they, uh, just to follow on from that, so if it's still subject to the wealth tax in the LLC, the US LLC, what is there any way of structuring it to avoid the wealth tax in France, which is going to be levied on worldwide real estate? Hervé? No, there is no. no. <laughs> there is no. In fact, uh, yeah. as a rule is you, you, you declare... Well, your wealth less what is needed to get it. If you have, for example, some debts, if you uh, if you have a credit running to pays for this real estate, then it will come as a deduction from the value mm -hmm. of the real estate, etc. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, if you possess some real estate through LLC, if uh, this real estate is more than fifty percent of the value of the LLC, it is completely taxable. Understood. And the person is, I guess they're being, they really, but, you know. But be sure that the French yeah. tax office is completely, uh, cannot have any view of what is the value of this real estate. So right. declare the real estate. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't say that be reasonable in the value of the real estate. And uh, mm -hmm. they can only uh, get your declaration. Right. Okay. And, you know, the person asked in the, the, they wrote a lot, right? So he or she's asking, uh, the properties are run as a vacation rental business. Uh, I guess kind of like an Airbnb kind of thing. Uh, 
So again, that, that perhaps would kind of connect with what you just said, right? Because it's not just a holding company. There are, you know, you know, rent is being charged. So there's cash being accumulated and whatever. So depending on how it's structured, it may be that the real estate component may be less than 50%. Maybe. Yes, you know? maybe, yes. Maybe, yeah. No. So perhaps there may be a planning opportunity there. But of course, this is not advice. You need to follow up with Hervé uh, one-on-one. Uh, sure, is sure. it a- this is uh, we have to to read closely what the legal text say and uh, they can change they can be uh, their interpretation can change from one year to another so uh, it is to 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 be close to look yeah absolutely okay uh, next question if I have capital gains on the sale of my primary residence back in the US uh, where I lived three years ago before I moved to France, would it be exempt from capital gains in France? I think ever you answered that in your presentation, but please. Uh, honestly, I think the capital gains you have on an account in the US are to be taxed in the US. That's, that's uh, I don't know the exact rule, but that's how I see it because in fact, banks declare the capital gains to the tax office but an American bank doesn't declare the capital gains to the French tax office. So, uh, um, but if the person, I don't know how it would work in practice. Okay, so from a US perspective, that's easy, it's gonna be taxed in the US. But from a French perspective, they're now tax resident in France and they've sold their property back in the US. Would would that be subject? It, I, I would but imagine. It is, if it is no, if it is a capital gain on some real estate, then it is to be taxed in France. Okay, right. Okay, no. clearly. Okay, right. Okay, so I'm moving from one platform to another as people are asking on different platforms. So, uh, and I'm conscious of time, so we probably do just one or two more questions. And I do apologize because I see a whole bunch of questions under that. I'm sorry we couldn't get to yours, but we've had a lot. Uh, question. So a dual citizen, French and US, who's working in South America. So good morning or good afternoon to you in, in whatever South American country you're in. If they pay into the CFE in, in France, I guess, they, huh? the social charges, right? Can they claim the totalization agreement with the US? So they, uh, I'm guessing in the scenario in which they're earning self-employment income, and they're going to pay voluntarily, pay into France, which many expats do, French expats do. Uh, would they be relieved of having to make the same payment into social charges, i.e. social security, back in the U.S.? Self-employment tax to 15.3%. Uh, to answer it from a U.S. perspective, potentially you may get that relief. You may be able to claim on the totalization agreement. But of course, I've just seen two lines in your question. We really need to sit with you and understand your circumstances inside out to see whether we can invoke the totalization agreement in your case. But potentially, yes, potentially. Okay. And I will do just one more. And I do apologize because there are lots of other questions under this. When selling stocks, owned in the US, there's of course a capital gains tax in the US. Would there also be one applied if you're living in France by the French tax office or would that be considered double taxation? Uh, I, I think you mentioned that. The, the, the global rule is no double yeah. taxation. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> so yeah. you will get tax credits, right? Uh, one way sure, or the other. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But, so yeah. That's the main rule of the treaty. Yeah. Yes. But uh, so from it's so the US will take the the stocks are back in the US. Okay, so states won't get into that. But yeah, so from a federal point of view, so with the IRS and France, no, you won't be double taxed because there are tax credits. So mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, uh, I'm sorry, I I see so many questions on different platforms. We will do this again in the new year. 
thank you, thank you for joining us this evening or morning, depending on which time zone you're in. Uh, and we also do these live streams every week on different tax topics of interest. Erve, if someone wants to follow up with you directly, what's the best way of contacting you? Oh, mail is very nice. Okay, yeah, email. email is uh, is the most effective, and uh, I should answer it quite quickly. I hope okay. maybe this weekend, but uh, not later. There are some other interesting questions, and uh, don't hesitate yeah. to copy them in a mail, and I try to answer them. Yeah. Right. So, what, what's the, what's the best email address to get you at everything? Or because you have several, or uh, hb at uh, cabinet below, it's uh, my direct uh, mail, and uh, I see them. But uh, there is maybe another one, you have seen contact at cabinet below, maybe? No, yeah, uh, but, you know, no? you, you tell them. I, I think on your slide on the last... No, I have not such a big company as it can be lost. <laughs> and, uh, everybody speaks English in the, in the firm, so uh, right. no problem, it so, won't be lost. It will be transferred. So if you're watching this, you can this is being recorded. Yeah. You can just rewind back to the his presentation at the beginning. His last slide had all his contact details, his... Yeah, uh, email no address, the website, phone number, feel free to reach him directly. Uh, I don't move from my chair. I don't move. <laughs> <laughs> and, from, and from a U.S. perspective, we're htj.tax, so you can reach us and help at htj.tax. Thank you for joining us. Have a good evening. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Taxes and International Entrepreneur Taxes at www.htj.tax. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tax. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult offer Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at htj.tax to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.